I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science If you changed. count the legal votes, I we easily agree. win. Go for a short it is time to get no, Brexit done. This, this candle smells, smells like my vagina. It's supposed to I shouldn't be up here. What I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the Acast Creator Network. Also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, oh, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? After the resignations of his team, Boris Johnson's new chief of staff, Gutu Hari, arrived at his new job, and then Boris Johnson saluted and sang I Will Survive. And this proves, the new man said, the Prime Minister is not a complete clown. His job is to be positive about Boris Johnson, and the most positive he can be is that he's only part clown. We're in the final days of madness now. No one would be surprised if Boris Johnson was found naked on the roof of 10 Downing Street with a jar of Heinz Thousand Island dressing up his arse, blaming Joan of Arc for not prosecuting Jimmy Savile, and then Nadine Doris will be asked, do you think this image will damage Mr Johnson? And she'll reply, shut your mouth. I bet Keir Starmer shoves posh French mustard up his arse because he's not a man of the people like our Boris before being sick in a flower pot. And next week, coverage of Prime Minister's questions will begin with Pretty Patel sliding down a pole in a mist of dry ice, lip syncing to I Want to Break Free by Queen, and then we'll see that Liz Truss has stolen a tank while she was in Russia and driven it through the seats where the Liberal Democrats sit, and Rishi Sunak will have used some of his millions to build a bobsleigh course out of mini cheddars that are being eaten by squirrels, so he'll be attacking them with the mace, and then the Speaker will yell... Order, order, order. We cannot use the instruments of Parliament to intimidate squirrels, even if they are putting a replica crest to run in jeopardy. Order, order, order. And it will barely be on the news. And now, to remind everyone of Brexit, Johnson has appointed Jacob Rees-Mogg as Minister of Brexit Opportunities, despite Mogg being unaware that the 16th century has ended. Mogg will announce... Having parted the European Union, we are finally at liberty to permit jousting in shopping centres. Furthermore, short of European red tape, we can reintroduce the rule whereby one can order a Welshman to impersonate a pheasant for one's amusement. Every week there are more photos. This week there was a photo from what Boris Johnson said was a work meeting showing a bottle of open champagne and a bloke with tinsel round his neck. And next week we'll see they brought in a waltzer with 20 of them squashed into it and Grant Shapps spinning them round. And they'll say, it was definitely a work meeting. And now the police have decided to investigate these crimes by sending a questionnaire to 50 people who were at the events. And I suppose the first question will be, were there more than two people at this event? And that question goes to all 50 of you. Even then, I expect the questionnaire will go, number one, if a cafe forgets to charge you for a coffee, do you A, tell them it's best to be honest, B, say nothing and hope you've got away with it, or C, order egg and chips and hope they forget to charge you for that too? And Johnson will answer, D, we had the fastest vaccine rollout and got Brexit done. But is this normal, investigating crimes by sending a questionnaire? Is this how they caught the Cray twins? Oh, shit, Reggie, look what's come in the post. 
It's a questionnaire. Question one says, what did you do on the night of the 29th? A, cook a lasagna. B, have a quiet night in. Or C, kill Jack the Hack McVitie. I can't see how we get out of this. They got us bank the rights. After he replaced the staff who resigned, Boris Johnson said, At last we have grown-ups running the office. So who's he had in there before? How were they more childish than this lot? During the lockdown, he must have had people in there saying, I don't want to meet Professor Chris Whitty. I don't like him. I don't want to say hands, face, space at the TV conference. I want to sing head, shoulders, knees and toes. It's my favourite. It's not fair. Maybe the reason they all resigned was they were refusing to use a potty. During a meeting on how to react to Vladimir Putin's threats to Ukraine, Johnson's chief of staff would suddenly go red in the face and go... And Michael Gove would say, Oh dear, someone's done a stinkapoo. In a meeting with the Bank of England about inflation, Johnson's team would start banging a wooden spoon on the table and screaming, I hate the balance of trade, I hate it, until they had to be put down for a nap. And the only way that Boris Johnson could calm them down was by wearing a red nose and silly big shoes and falling over to make them laugh, which luckily is the one thing he's good at. But not completely. What the fuck is going on? After years of limping on, having overlooked countless crimes, even murders, with often implausible excuses for events that defied belief, the end finally came. Channel 5 have announced they will no longer be showing neighbours. Now, I'm not an expert on Australian soaps, but luckily we have with us someone who is. George Galloway. Let me put it to you, Channel 5. Your decision to banish neighbours from our cultural epistemology is an impertinent travesty redolent of the most antediluvian tyranny. The revolutionary clarion call to solidarity. Everybody needs good neighbours. That extols from its signature tune as a defiant call to make peace in the face of imperialist miscreants is evidence alone of its cultural profundity. In addition, the heroic Kylie Minogue, whose glorious epithet of defiance, I'm spinning around, move out of my way, is a totemic rallying cry that celebrates the tactics of the Viet Cong at Den Ben Phu. You will inevitably regret making forcibly extinct the show that gave us characters such as Harold Bishop, Mrs Mango and those twins that were in it years ago. Which is why I call upon all true fans of Neighbours to elicit a tornado of protest under my command that will place Ramsey Street alongside Cable Street as a moniker for resistance. That, Channel 5 is why I shall not be viewing your output in future, though I may make an exception for Nick Knoll's big house clear-out.
Now, in the grand quest for finding out what the fuck is going on, you need the most expert advice. And we've had all sorts of different experts, but an expert today that has actually written loads of books. Can you imagine? When I was at Swanley School, I don't think I knew a single person who'd read a book. This man's <laughs> written thousands of them. John O'Farrell. Mark Steele, thank you for having me on. I have written thousands of books, as you say. People have lost count. <laughs> me and Barbara Cartland, I just lay on my chaise long, dictating them, stroking my pickanese. This is, this is how I produce them. You probably write two at once, I should imagine. I do, I do. I've got two keyboards with left and right hand. I'm like Rick Wakeman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just churn things out bus timetables yeah. all sorts yeah. of things instructions yeah. for yeah. putting together a settee i um there's a woman in clapham goes have you written another novel yet and i went yeah i have i have written one she goes oh good i hope it's not political <laughs> it's like, i was i was literally writing a political novel as i was <laughs> so very important to find out what the fuck is going on this week in particular john because the lovely Cressida Dick, who was, until very recently, the chief of the Met Police, has been made to resign rather splendidly. Well, yes. She made a statement in the morning saying, I will not resign. Mm. And then during the course of the day, I think she must have tampered with her own statement. That's <laughs> not so bad at the police now. <laughs> She's like, oh, hang on, let's change this evidence. Oh, I am resigning. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was quite good to see uh, Sadiq Khan flexing his muscles a bit, actually. And going, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't have confidence in what uh, she's doing and her plan to sort of sort out the Met. I mean, being in charge of all those policemen can't be easy. But if you look back at her record, it is not a great one. I mean, I live in Clapham Common. You know, when Sarah Alvarado was killed, we were going to go up there and be part of the vigil. And my daughter was on mm. the line. She's going, I've got a bad feeling about this. I'm not going up there. So we didn't go. And then you think, OK, a policeman has murdered a young woman. Loads of women are protesting silently, holding candles. How about if we all go and pin them to the ground and wrestle them and get in front of the world's media, behave violently towards these women holding a peaceful protest? I mean, whose idea was that? Can you think of a worse sort of uh, way of approaching the whole situation? It's insane. No, I know. It is utterly extraordinary. You know, yes, the most peaceful thing possible, protesting. Yes. Oh, not even yeah. protesting. It yeah. was a vigil. And it was the excuse was because of COVID regulations, where yeah, well, now, in retrospect, that's just... Genius, right. actually, that in retrospect, it looks even worse than it did at the time. Because now with other... Yeah, yeah. Thank God they were wrestling people who were upset about a woman being murdered by a policeman to the ground. To protect us all. To protect us yeah. all, whereas yeah, they weren't yeah. so vigilant about other parties that they were stood outside. And then when the police said they were going to investigate Boris Johnson, I thought, oh, great. Finally, he's going to get his comeuppance. And the Sue Gray is going to be reported, it's going to be published. And then the police turn around and go, under her, her police force, go... Yeah, don't publish the Sue Gray report in full. Just uh, wait uh, whilst this all cools down a bit. I thought, what's Boris Johnson got on Cressida Dick? Has he got photos of her or something? Because it couldn't have worked out better for Boris Johnson that this thing got kicked down the road. And it's still like, he's still there. There was so much pressure on him to go when Sue Gray's report was going to come out. And now suddenly he's off the hook and we're still waiting for all the report and Boris Johnson is still in place and the political temperatures cooled down and we're looking at bloody Ukraine or something else now. Yes. Well, I think he's off the hook temporarily. I think yeah, he's yeah. stuffed himself. But yeah, and that is one of his... What's he lost if it was a game of chess? Cressy to Dick, his bishop's gone, I think. That's a great analogy. He's got three pawns left and one of them are Nadine Doris. It's really <laughs> oh, bad. God. That's 
<laughs> That's really bad. But I think one of her geniuses, Christina Dick, is to be useless to everybody. I mean, at least Boris Johnson has his little tiny clique of crazy people around him who just think it's funny to break all the rules and the people who like Trump and so on. But she couldn't even serve them. She was so utterly hopeless. Yeah, maybe when Christopher Dick resigns, the wrong person will resign. (laughs) 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 No, you were supposed to write Christopher Dick. Oh, they popped it up again. There's a bloke in Peckham who's been made to resign. (laughs) Yeah, from the co-op. I was just starting to stack the shelves. No, well, if you... We've dragged you you out. We've dragged you out of your office for running the Met wrong. (laughs) If you were innocent, you'd have nothing to fear. But I was just putting custard powder on the shelf. Right, you're tasered. Tasered. (laughs) (laughs) That's what will happen. (laughs) So, now, the thing is with this, John, and I mean, of course, most recently, this applies to those parties where... Under Chris and Dick, the Met said we cut. At first, if we remember, they said they couldn't investigate any of these parties because they were in the past. Which <laughs> now that's quite a radical departure for the way the law is run. Yeah, that's the other thing. So now they're investigating Boris with questionnaires. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, Aren't police? We've got the place surrounded. Pass the questionnaire <laughs> through the letterbox. <laughs> I know. Well, yes, yes. I was mentioning that earlier on that that's how they did the the craze. <laughs> I sent us a questionnaire, Reggie, we're fucked. Well, of course, the thing, the police, the image that we have of the police is that they are, especially detectives, catching criminals. There are a thousand programmes on around the world at any one time in which there's a, ah, I think we should interview Mrs Winthrop again because she said that she couldn't have, but she was at the marrow growing meeting on Wednesday, but I happen to know that marrow growers only meet on Thursdays and also her wooden spoon was at an angle that suggests she'd been stirring something or something like that and in actual fact what they're actually like is just like, oh there's a dead body and there's a bloke standing over him with a gun (laughs) So, so I watched a burglary out of my upstairs window. I watched this guy right. go into a house, come out of the house with a laptop, with some car keys, then try them all the way down the road, trying to unlock cars. So I rang oh, the right. police. My kids were quite excited. The police turned up, and I described this bloke. He's massive, he's bald, and he had a green and white striped umbrella. And they come down the road. They come down my road, and they they, they, they slow down next to this massive ball bloke with a green and white striped umbrella and they sort of go no I don't think so and carry on so I run out into the street and wave the car down I go no, it's him I told you big green and they went oh and they and you think well what what else did they need a spotlight on him with a big neon arrow going criminal here trouble is uh, you really need at least four different colours with an umbrella otherwise they don't show up happened in the past Mark happened in the past yeah, exactly now <laughs> Something else we must talk about, which is the subject of one of your many books, the World Cup in Qatar, which magnificently yeah. you predicted. Well, I was had this idea for a stupid futuristic football novel. And then when they gave, it was a sort of satire of the crazy world of FIFA and how much football matters to us all and how important it's all got. And then they announced the World Cup was going to be in Qatar. And I thought, well, I'm just going to have to <laughs> set it there. So the idea, when Dolly the Sheep was created in about 97... The government sat around and goes, just think if we cloned humans, just think we cloned the greatest ever scientists, professors. And then someone goes, or we could just make the greatest ever England team and win the World Cup. And by the time the Qatar World Cup comes around, this 
brilliant team is winning all their games and everyone goes, England are amazing. I can't understand why he's so good. By the that bloke's losing his hair. Now, he looks a bit like Bobby Charlton, doesn't he? And I won't say any more, Mark, right. but um, it's a sort of <laughs> silly comedy book. It's a lovely book. The thing is, there's nothing more ridiculous, really, than you'd write these things as satire and then they come around Qatar and, you know, spending billions spending billions to get the World Cup in Qatar. Imagine how much the government would spend to win it. That was my premise. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but be, what, what a thing, though, if you could clone him, because you go, well, we've got Johnny Ains there, but the trouble is yeah. he, he keeps smoking through the game. <laughs> That's right. It's like, that. It's like Harry Anfield or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, he's, got, he's wearing a massive pair of boots that got up to his shins, and, and he's got a pipe in gold. <laughs> but Qatar... Now, the reason this is very, very current, obviously the Qatar World Cup will be this, this year, but it's very current because it was assumed no one's going to want to go and all that. But in fact, 1.8 million people, it turns out, have applied for tickets, which is you know, more than the population of many of the countries that are open to take part. 1.8 million. And yet, could there be... <laughs> you know, a bit like the corruption is so obvious. Could there yeah. be a less suitable place to have a football World Cup. It would make more sense to say, and this year's World Cup is being held on the Mediterranean Sea. Extra time seems to be going on a very long time here. <laughs> the concept of time is completely different in Narnia. There's a second yellow car there for Tumnus and he's being turned into a statue. <laughs> That would make more sense than having it in Qatar. Yes, yeah, so the side of a cliff would make more sense. Gibraltar winning the World Cup. Well, Gibraltar have started entering now, haven't they? they yeah, I saw, I saw a match in Gibraltar. Uh, did I did you? an in-town show in Gibraltar, and we went to. Oh, the, yeah. It was a very exciting game. But there's only oh, wow. one pitch, so all the teams. I think there's eight teams in the league, and they all play on the same wow. pitch, which is right. <laughs> Gibraltar's tiny, and the pitch is right next to the airport. So the ball kept going over the fence. And into Spain. It, into Spain. Well, yes, because like, the air... It's like, can we have our ball back? No. No, not until you give us back our historical, as agreed in the War of Spanish Succession. That was... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's how it was finally resolved. <laughs> massive, massive collection of balls. Oh, thank you so much, George. Right, so, oh, one other thing. So you do yeah. a podcast yourself, which is a very, very fine podcast. I do a podcast with a great Angela Barnes, who you've had on this uh, show yeah, already. Yeah. Uh, we do a podcast called We Are History. We look at uh, interesting, quirky things from history. We do things like the campaign against women's suffrage or the history of contraception or... Battle of Hastings, all sorts of things. I had a brilliant one about the rise of nudity in communist East Germany. Yeah, that's a, that was one of our early ones. It's a mm. very popular uh, East German nudists. Google that. Make sure your pictures are turned off. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we are history. And uh, yeah, it's our laughable attempt at a, a history podcast. And uh, catch it on all uh, the usual platforms. Or if you don't, for you, Mark, I'll just post you a cassette of it. That's probably yes, the best thank way you. to make it work for you. <laughs> and also you can buy, in an old-fashioned manner, uh, any of John's books. Thank you very much. Now we know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I know it now. I understand. <laughs> Thanks, John. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, we always like to be balanced on this podcast, so it is refreshing to hear another point of view such as this interview with Tory MP Nadine Boris. What's your reaction to the photograph of the Prime Minister with an open bottle of champagne? Who cares? 
You're just jealous because he could afford to get bladdered on a classy drink. What do you drink? I bet you drink Glenn's vodka from Asda. So you're not troubled by the fact that Boris Johnson may have been present at parties that were against the rules? The only reason Boris Johnson has parties is because he's got mates. Not like Keir Starmer. Who'd want to go to one of his parties, eh? He's dead boring like a fucking accountant. I bet his idea of a party is you all sit round reading the Human Rights Act and then you piss off to bed by half past eight. Aren't you worried that this is damaging his reputation? His reputation? What about your reputation? Do you know what they call you down at the grapes? Squirrel cock? Anyway, who the fuck are you? Standing there with your fucking microphone like a Gary Neville. You know shit all about politics, you do. Boris Johnson, he invented Brexit. And he knows where Portugal is on a map and everything. I'd like to see you do that. Go on, ask me another question. See what happens, you shithouse. An important message to the world. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, the What the Fuck is Going On podcast, we are now on Patreon. Uh, you can follow the link on our Twitter page or search on Patreon, or there must be all sorts of other ways. I'm sure you can get there. For just £4 a month, you will get an ad-free version of every episode, 10% off live shows, which we will be doing later on in the year, and there is exclusive content that will just be available for the people who've signed up on Patreon. For example, this week, the full extended interview that I did with Louis Theroux, that uh, not all of it went on to the original podcast, and uh, what a peculiar business that was, me interviewing Louis Theroux. But very splendid he was, and there is all manner of Louis Theroux-ness that is on there that will be available for that. So search for What the Fuck is Going On on Patreon and also help support this podcast. I did contact the government and see whether they could uh, replace the licence fee with a compulsory payment that every household in Britain had to make to us to make this podcast. I haven't heard back yet. So until that happens, then we very, very, very much hope that you will join us on Patreon. Now, many people have written to us with different subjects that they think we should find out what the fuck is going on with them. Hugh Crook at Hey J Crook asks, what the fuck is going on with Liz Truss's grasp of Russian regions? Now, I think that what Hugh is referring to is a couple of things that Liz Truss said. She's the Foreign Secretary. I sort of forgot, really, that she was the Foreign Secretary, but she not only is Foreign Secretary, but she proved her worth by going to Moscow and filming herself in a Russian hat in front of the Winter Palace in Moscow, which pretty much is the job, isn't it? That's, that's I don't know, all the rest of it's a bonus. She said that the UK would never recognise Moscow's sovereignty over the Voronezh and Rostov regions. Now, I'm not familiar with them. She, as Foreign Secretary, you could argue, should be. The problem with that is that they're in Russia. She said, we're never, we will never, ever recognise your right, Russia, to take control of these regions that are already, but they are already part of Russia. That is, and she probably, there's probably other bits that they've got that they'll release later where she's gone, I will never, ever recognise Russia's right to rule Moscow and St Petersburg and Siberia and Russia. She also said that she was 
very, very determined to support our Baltic allies on the Black Sea. Oh, you don't need to be that much of an expert to know that the Baltic Sea and the Black Sea are two different seas. That's why they've given them different names, because they're different fucking seas. Now, if Putin had anything about him, he would say, we also refuse to recognise British sovereignty over Basingstoke and Oswestry. So what the fuck is going on exactly? She, she probably, next time she goes on a foreign trip, she ought to work out what country she's gone to and what are the bits of that country that she thinks they don't have any jurisdiction over, shouldn't do. But it'd be brilliant. If, well, if there's a war, she'll send the army to the wrong place. Will Palmer, at Palmer W 73 says, what the fuck is going on with the American lady who said gazpacho instead of Gestapo? So, two things to explain here. The American lady in question is Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Green, and the gazpacho that she's talking about is a, a cold soup. There is a bit of me that is sort of belongs in 1958 that thinks, what? Soup's cold? What? Too fucking tight to put the fucking eating on? Oh, yeah, you know, fucking went round here. The soup was cold. There is a bit of me that's like that. But I am aware there is a soup called gazpacho, which is cold, and it's meant to be cold. That wasn't Republican representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's main problem, though. The problem is she was referring to Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat, who she doesn't like, and called her part of the gazpacho police rather than the Gestapo police. Even that would be wrong, because Gestapo is the police. But the Gaspacho police, oh, God. These people, she's one of the people that was running America until a year ago. The Gaspacho police. Well, it's a shame it wasn't the Gaspacho police that were running the streets of Germany between 1933 and 1945. That might have been a better outcome if it was just... Hide the soup! Heat it up! For fuck's sake, they're coming out, they're knocking on the door! Heat the soup up! If they come in and find the soup's cold, we're fucked! At Arlene Finnegan says, Hi Mark, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this. A man has been reunited with his false teeth 11 years after vomiting them into a bin in Benidorm. That's all right already, isn't it? <laughs> you don't need to know any more than that. I think, ideally, you would know no more about that story than that. That this Did he go out and search for the false teeth in Benidorm? Did he have been spending 11 years looking after them? Like, I don't know, like Daniel Day-Lewis in that film. But it turns out that Paul Bishop uh, lost his teeth in Benidorm when he was violently sick, in the way that people are when they go to Benny Dorm, and they turned up in the post just a couple of weeks ago because the Spanish authorities tracked him down using his DNA. What I'm, I'm not always a fan of the police and local authorities, but bless the Spanish authorities for that. Spain must be so free of crime that they've got time to just find false teeth and then relocate them with people around. That's an amazing story. That puts anything in a, a, who do you think you are in the shade, people just going around and finding out who their great-great-great-great-grandfather was. This is amazing. They've taken the false teeth, they've found the man and sent them back to him, and he's now using the false teeth again, despite the fact that for 11 years they've been in a bin in Benidorm. The filthy fucker. <laughs> 
again it's time to hear from our favorite talk show host someone who is the master of gently teasing out opinions mike concrete now with me is uh, glenn davidson he's from the scottish tourist board if you can believe it and they're launching the 2022 beautiful scotland campaign uh, so what's your beef glenn what have we done wrong now well, no one's done anything wrong. We're just trying to encourage people to visit the whole of Scotland, not just the obvious tourist attractions. There are so many beautiful parts of the country that people might not know about, such as Fife. And, you know, there are lots of beautiful places in Ayrshire, for example. So we're just trying to yeah, get Yeah, yeah, to... yeah, yeah. We had a referendum on this. You didn't like the answer, so now you want another one. Are you just going to keep on having them until you get the answer you want? Well, we don't take a view on independence. We're just keen for as many people as possible to visit our beautiful country. Yeah, but not if they're English, is that it? You're going to turn us back at the border? No, English people are very welcome. Really welcome. Weren't very welcome at Bannockburn, were we? Is that the plan? Trick us up there with your pretty mountains. Before we know it, a head's on a pike. (laughs) That's very definitely not what we're about. You Scots hate the English, always have done. William Wallace, Alex Salmon, Napoleon. Napoleon wasn't Scottish. Yes, he was. See you, Glenn. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder we got no medals at the Winter Olympics. Here's Toby Young with today's Wordle. What the fuck is going on? It is as anybody knows amongst the vast throng of people who have tried to work out over the centuries what the fuck is going on, essential that you have someone from the younger generation to give their views. That's why I bred someone some years ago, you know the routine. Elliot Steele, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Uh, Well, I'm not bad considering. And when people say that, usually that doesn't mean anything. But the considering is short for considering the fact I've just arrived in Scunthorpe and I'm sat in the back room of an office of somewhere where downstairs Kevin Clifton's Strictly Come Dancing operation is rehearsing. And at any moment, someone or other might come in doing a pirouette. I don't know. And it's due to the good kindliness of the local people that I am on the Wi-Fi and able to speak to you at all. Nonetheless, I am in Scumthorpe. Bless it. Yeah, it does suck, don't it? There's loads of rubble <laughs> on the floor. Oh, I haven't seen the rubble, but I'll take your word for it that there's rubble. They're just obsessed with the fact that Thatcher ruined the place, that they don't even tidy it up. They're just always like, bloody look at that! That was her! And you go, well, yeah, pick it up. <laughs> but then she should pick it up. She should have picked it up before she died. Yes, well, she did die, so she can't. Yeah. But, like, they can, you know... Even the Germans, after after they were just bombed to shit by the Russians and the British, and did for Berlin. Berlin's like a massive city now. They've like built up loads of it. Yeah, well, they had an extra thir- They had an extra forty years head start on the miners' strike, didn't they? To be fair, ah, and Thatcher. So give it in forty years' time, they'd have cleared up the rubble. Maybe in forty years, Scunthorpe will be the party capital of the world. Peter, who is our producer here, was with me when uh, when we heard that Thatcher was no longer with us, and I can't some. Did a Jehovah's Witness come round or something? Anyway, something actually happened that led me to a joke of going, I felt sorry for the Jehovah's Witnesses that day because they'd have knocked on doors and gone, have you heard the good news? And people would have gone, I fucking have, mate. Come in, have a tin of beer. (laughs) Anyway, 
This is not what we're to do. We're to discuss the very bad news. The very bad news that an innocent cat was not only kicked across a kitchen, but filmed as this event took place and put on YouTube. Put on Snapchat. Put on Snapchat, sorry. Uh, Snapcat. Put on Snapcat. By a West Ham player. So what do we think about this then? Well, he's been fined. He's had the cat taken off him, so that's that. But now oh, he's he? coming this, yeah, because everyone was like, the police need to get involved, and like it's one of those things where you know everyone starts talking about the law as if they mm. know the law, and if someone who actually knows the law comes out and goes, no, there is laws apply to humans. We don't have cat law. There is cat law. You can't just Not, kick a cat. The RSPCA will come and take your cat away. That's what will happen. But that must be the law. They can't just take any cat away that they fancy, can they? No, no. But, like, it's not a police matter. Well, at some point it is. If you started just exploding cats on a wall... No, I think that's an RSPCA matter. I don't think the police... It is an RSPCA matter, but that is a legal matter as well. well I don't, I oh, don't God, it's I... not. Surely it's just a civil thing if I've gone in for cat exploding as part of my culture. Well, it's, it's destruction of property. It's not destruction of property, it's destruction of an animal. Yeah, but destruction of property that's owned. It's like, it's seen, it's destruction of property. What, you think, think it's the same as if he'd gone round someone's house and kicked their fridge? Well, no, it's the same as if he went around someone else and broke their fridge. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. But any, anyway, you like cats. Like, you would, you, I you love cats. Done. I adore cats. Yeah. But I, I think what he did was bad and it was wrong. And he's been fined two hundred and fifty thousand quid. Has he? Yeah. Two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, and his cat's been taken away from him. I think that's an adequate punishment. Well, that's quite a lot. Yeah, but. Then what happened was Michael Antonio came out going like, well, how come players have got less for racism? Yeah. And then that sort of, it's like, people point at the Luis Suarez thing. But again, it's actually really difficult to prove because players cover their mouths and do stuff. It's really difficult to prove that someone's been racist. Even though I think the UEFA and the FA and everyone should do a lot more to do with racism. So now it's come this debate where people, I, there, there's people I know who are like, well, the British public, they don't care about black lives, but they care about cat lives. And I'm like, that's not true, is it? Because when George Floyd was murdered, loads of us went and marched about that in London. Nobody has marched for this cat. It's this idea that like, and it's come a proper whataboutism where it's people going, well, what about racism? And you're like, yeah, well, that shouldn't happen either. And if somebody gets videoed doing that... Oh, no, no, I agree with that, yeah. that There is a thing where you go... that You can be against two different things. If you're yeah. against kicking cats, you can't be... You can only be against one thing at a time. You can be against kicking cats and filming it and putting it on YouTube and against the police murdering people. I, I agree, you can be against both. Yeah, it's, it's, a, no, it's mental. But it will happen. There will be a feline lives matter and there'll be a march that will probably happen fairly soon, I suppose. But it would take nine officers to start stamping on this one. <laughs> one <laughs> officer wouldn't do it. <laughs> They'd need to call a police car and a squad van. And then also have one officer walking by. You feline bastard. <laughs> oh, we've only got eight of us. We can't finish the job. <laughs> but... I, I just think I think it's one of those things where like yeah Kurt Zuma like I don't know what he's doing it's a dick move it's bad but yeah. but like it should it should also be left at like he's been fined he's been, the cat's been taken away we don't need this to go to the Supreme Court no it's it's terrible it's horrible we we can we can go along with that but it will happen there will be a feline lives matter and there'll be a march that will probably happen <laughs> fairly soon I suppose. 
Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Thank you. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And remember, we are now available on Patreon. So please do the decent, honourable, upstanding, morally righteous thing and become a supporter, get ad-free versions and all the extra bits that we've talked about earlier on. Just sign up to that for £4 a month. And if you've liked the podcast, please subscribe, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. And if you can't be bothered, be certain to write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod. And all your messages will be read and may very, very well be responded to in the podcast. What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, John O'Farrell and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the Fuck is Going On is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.